This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Abby are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're gonna keep you wheels turning. The fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh yeah! Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of your fabulous learning nerds i'm scott shooty happy new year everybody here's someone that's super happy to be here you love him dan coonrod dan the man oh yeah dan what's up scott how you doing i'm doing great how are you well i'm fair to midland and fair to midland you know what i have to apologize i i I don't have that drop ready to go. It's, oh, it's terrible. Oh, threw you off the game. I know. It's no, no, no. It was just long campaign. <laughs> I know. Can we please stop that drop? But you know, I've got another one because we really um, love you so much. We just wanted to wish you happy new year. There you oh go. <laughs> there you okay, go. So, so real quick rundown. What are your New Year's uh, resolutions? <sighs> that is a fantastic question. I mean, Did this I put you year on the spot? is. No, it's fine. Put me on spot. I think that um, resolutions are good. Like it's the same one. Like stay healthy. I'm doing pretty good. I want to lose some weight, right? So we're going to continue doing that. It's not that's like already in the process of. But this year is really kind of following through on the things that I've told myself that I'm going to do, right? So a lot of times these are the good things that I'm going to do for myself, and you start slowly doing those things, and then um, you know. You, you, a new year comes like, you know, I'm going to actually get those things that I've been saying that I'm going to get yeah. done, which are really good things for me. So I feel like 2023, there's going to be a lot of really, I feel really good about this year. And I feel like this is a year of great growth and transition, not just for myself, but for my friends, the podcast, all that other good stuff. So in a nutshell, that's kind of where I'm at. About, how about you? Like layup stuff, like stop eating cookies. Like we could put that up there Whoa. too. No, God, but who no, wants don't. that as a resolution? Maybe I don't want that as a resolution. I'm just saying, I'm a fat guy, so like cookies are where it's at. Um, no, <laughs> no, no usually... you're you're, you're <laughs> yeah. svelte, my friend. You're oh, very svelte. Ooh, no, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, let's, uh, you know, I, t I, I usually don't do New Year's resolutions. I usually wait till my birthday. Usually, I do birthday resolutions. That way, you know, the full existential dread of being another year older has hit. Those resolutions have a little bit more teeth, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, whatever those are, get, a, get an accountability partner, folks. Let them know. Let other people know what you're working on so they can help you, right? Hold you accountable. Like, hey, did you do the things that you wanted to do? So that's fantastic. Hey, Abby is is out, folks, just to let you know she's got some opportunities in her life. So our heart goes out to, to Abby. Just, you know, 
positive vibes to Abby as she deals with life. And then hopefully she'll be back here in a, in a week or so. Um, but we are super excited to have a very special guest with us today. Um, and we're going to get to know all about her in our little segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Jeannie. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, what's your deal, my friend? My deal. Well, so I'm out here in San Diego, California. And what mm. I do is I work with leaders at all levels in organizations and in their personal life to enhance their daily activities, their daily tasks to improve their overall well being. So that can be anything. And I've worked with some people who say, or I've met some people who say, well, I don't lead, you know, I'm not a CEO, I don't lead a team. But you know what? You lead your own life. So everyone is a leader. So everyone essentially could potentially be my client. And I help them show up differently so they can live the life of their dreams. And I know a lot of people talk about that, but I do help them make a difference. That's fantastic. I have a quick question. So how did you get to this place, right? So that's not something that I went to school for. Um, it's certainly not something that I told my um, elementary uh, students that I wanted to do when I grew up. So what what was your journey like getting to this beginning of this place? If we could share that, that'd be great. Yeah. So growing up in Los Angeles, I was the youngest of six kids and there wasn't much money. My, I know <laughs> you're like, ah, six kids. You have the regular Brady bunch. So I was that little blonde one with the pigtails <laughs> And there wasn't a lot of money. And so my parents were very realistic. If there wasn't, if they couldn't provide it to me, we didn't talk much about it. So I did have some friends who were all heading off to universities and, and I just didn't, it wasn't in my card. So I thought, so I ended up getting this full-time job directly right out of high school because, of course, we have to make money. I can't. How are you supposed to pay for school? And there were some individuals in that organization in the marketing department who were just like, oh, you're here for a summer intern. Aren't you? Where are you going to school? I'm like, oh, so I'm not because I don't have any money, blah, blah, blah. Well, they saw potential in me and could not even see that as an, that, that that was really what I was destined to do. So they were determined to enroll me in school like get her in college. Right. So they ended up, we ended up long story short, we, I ended up at a junior college, got an undergrad and then similar situation to, or not undergrad, I'm sorry, about the associate's degree. And then similar two of the ladies that I met at the junior college were moving to San Diego. Now it's only two hours from LA, but they were going to go to San Diego state to get their undergrad and similar type of pushing me to be more, do more without me actually realizing what was happening. They're like, well, we got a new, bigger apartment. We have a room for you. Here's the application. Here's how you get these grants. Here's all the loans you can take out. So I really couldn't say no. So I ended up in San Diego. And to answer your question, but to give a little bit of history, then I started getting a degree in marketing and it was impacted at San Diego State. So I, I decided to go to the counselor and say, you know, I don't want to be here forever. I really wasn't even planning to go to college, but I, what can I do to get out? She's like, well, the majority of your classes, you could, 
you could apply for an undergrad in public administration. Well, that's government. And no offense to the government, but it wasn't for me. Like, it just wasn't me. But I did an internship at the city of Chula Vista in their personnel department, which was what HR was called prior to. So then fast forward, you know, I spend my years and decades in human resources. And in 2005, I left a high level executive HR job to start my own business because I wanted freedom. I wanted to be seen as an expert. I wanted to be valued as a consultant. I remember hiring people in, especially in the training field, and they were given so much more respect than I was as a W-2 employee. And I know that sounds silly, but for some reason now they're an expert if they're coming in from the outside. Now that didn't drive me, but it was it was part of my reason for continuing um, uh, and self-employment because it can be challenging too. <clears throat> so now fast forward, this is 18 years in business in my own business. And why I'm doing what I'm doing and helping individuals and executives really shine is a lot of people out there, especially leaders and organizations, they don't really have anyone to turn to. And you touched on it earlier about accountability partners. They need somebody to bounce ideas off of. They need somebody to say, am I totally crazy? I want to go to the organization about this today. And they don't really have anyone that they can truly, who can truly be neutral. And my history, my 30 years in HR has, a, I has, and the youngest of six kids, I'm pretty neutral. Like I can be neutral with a really strong opinion when, but I can, I'm a really good sounding board and I have taught courses and done presentations on communication and how we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. So I'm a really good listener. And like I mentioned a couple of times already, a sounding board. So I feel that that is really where I add the most value to organizations is helping their executive team really show their true potential, work through the issues that they may be having. And a lot of it, and we're going to talk about this today, is self-esteem and self, um, self-confidence. And we've all had those leaders who micromanage the heck out of us, who are, we, they control information and only give you bits and pieces as they think it's necessary, but it really hijacks your process. And, but if they were more confident and had higher self-esteem, I think they would share more. They would want to help more people. And so that's really, as I know that was long, and I started out with a short answer, and then you asked me for more. So I'm like, okay, now here's the long <laughs> form. Here's the long form. So it's I have a history of working with people, thousands and thousands of leaders over my three-decade career, and uh, it's been very rewarding. That's awesome. Dan? Yeah, write down, yes. add, add more impact and increase joy to a New Year's resolution for me, Mr. Accountability Partner. <laughs> Done. Done. Okay, great. Fantastic. That's a great story. You're just like Rudy. Holy crap. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Hey, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, dive right in to the things that uh, Jeannie's going to bring to us today, all about self-esteem and self-confidence, something I think that all of us can really get something out of. So let's go ahead without further ado and, and dive into our topic of the week. 
All right, Jeannie, self-esteem versus self-confidence. Let's start with the most obvious question, like what's the difference, right? What's the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence and why are they important in learning and development in leadership? So self-confidence is a person's attitude about their capabilities and skills. So think about that, like their own personal attitude about their capabilities and skills. A person with good self-esteem or still good self-confidence feels like they have control over their lives. So the opposite is if you're not very confident, you're feeling out of control. Maybe the decisions are someone else's. Maybe, oh, I have to do what my manager says, but they don't really believe that they have power over their life and control over their life. Self-esteem is how a person perceives their own value and self-worth. That I think is even a larger issue and even more so now in the last three years. The last three years has kind of been like, like a mixer. Like we were put in one of those really fancy, mine's red, the, those red mixers with the silver bowl <laughs> and just like spun up and you, some, some of us get spit out on the sides and it's, it's, we really need to kind of figure out where, where are we now? A person with high self-esteem is open to different ideas and comfortable and they're super comfortable socially. So that, that again, a lot of people have drawn themselves inward in the last couple years. I will speak for myself. It used to be the bigger the event, the more people, the, the, the more the merrier, like the bigger the party, the bigger the concert. And I found myself last year retreating back and saying, oh, well, how many people are going to be there? Oh, I think I'm going to pass. And I don't know if it was, I don't think I was afraid of getting COVID. I think I was just like more comfortable with a smaller group started. And I started really realizing who I am and why, like, so I know there's this going on with, with individuals. Would you consider yourself an, an extrovert? So this is a great question because I would have 100%. Jeannie is an extrovert for sure. Like I'm, I was very, I was very ballsy. I would take chances. I was like, what's the harm? I'm going to go for it. I'm the one who actually, yes, when I was a teenager, I got in an argument with Sylvester Stallone, a physical argument because I was being sarcastic. And he was like, we, we can get into that whole thing, but he was so rude to me that I then I stood up for myself. So this is what he was not expecting either. So yes, I would say I was an extrovert, but I'll tell you in the last three years, I'm really getting to know myself more. And I, I now don't answer that straight up 100% extrovert. I think there's a whole lot of introvert in me who's like, ooh, I kind of like my own. So, so we've learned a lot in the last three years. So I can't say I'm 100% extrovert. If there is such a thing, if you could be a blend. I think I'm a blend. You can. I only say that because I have recently discovered that I'm a learned extrovert. Ah, maybe I was too. Maybe, right? So we have the skills to like, okay, throw me in front of 500 people. I'm there. Like, I'm going to crush it. Yes. Right? I'm going to crush it. But when that's over, I really kind of want to go hang out with the people that I'm closest to. Those, you know, I'll take the accolades from people I don't know, but only in a real smart small group. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it does. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I want to add, I think you, I think it's really great that you brought this up. Like <laughs> We've all kind of been through the mixer and, and I love that you brought that up. And the thing that's really important to understand today 
is that we all have this like shared trauma. Yes. Right. Yes. And what we really need is healing. We had a guest a few weeks ago who talked about that. And I, I've, I've held on to that. Like everybody has this like shared sense of trauma and we all just kind of have to have this sense of, okay, well, I need to respect whatever that form is for you and then be there to heal you. Right. That that's where it's at. By the way, it's not a contest. No. So I have some people who've gone through some really rough stuff. Great. Um, but it's not a contest either, right? My trauma is my trauma, and I'm going to need you to be there to help me with it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with my speech. No, I love that you actually brought that up. And, and so I've been doing this, this 60 second solution. And so a manager, I take the questions that I get from leaders and then I respond within 60 seconds. And so I do a video, I was doing them every week and now I'm doing them every biweekly. I, I do them on, um, Instagram. And then I follow it up with a newsletter, a really quick newsletter on LinkedIn. And at the end of the year, I decided instead of having any topic about anything to do with business or anything else, I'm going to focus on love, ending this year in love and taking a moment to understand what we've been through. And what I, I, I had a lot of loss, like a lot of loss in, in the three years. And the topper was I lost my beloved boxer. So she was my dog. She was my best friend, my companion through all the other human losses. And so that was really difficult for me. But what I did, and I also have a picture on the, for the newsletter and I have, I adopted two little dogs and I've always been a big dog fan, but it was all about, if you see these two doggies, you just look at them and like, they needed love too. They were, they were homeless. They were at a foster. And so I took in two of them and a lot of people told me it was too soon um, after losing my dog. But the reality is, you know what? We have to love. We have to see where people are struggling and show up first with love. And to your point, we, we, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. So we have no idea where someone is in the journey right now. And I'm always saying this, show up, reach out, ask your strong friends those who you think, oh, if anybody can do it, she or he can do it. Those are the ones you need to check on because those are the ones who aren't going to tell you that they're feeling lonely, sad, depressed. And I, for the first time, experienced that myself too. So I get it. I totally get it. Um, so then I started, you know, this year, let's, everything we do, stop for a moment, pause, pinpoint how are you feeling are you actually showing up with compassion and love for this person and then pivot how you're going to how you're going to how you're going to react or respond i mean respond versus react to a situation so yeah there you go so i'm done too <laughs> but i definitely think show compassion understand that a lot of people are still lo lonely and and suffering and um Show some compassion for them. You know, I um, I just read an article <clears throat> yesterday, so how timely is this, that was talking about the number of close personal connections that people have uh, has, has gone down mm -hmm. just throughout the past three years, uh, including uh, the amount of people who have no close personal friends or connections uh, topped 10%. Oh, it's heartbreaking over the past three years. Yeah. Yes. And like, you know, I was like, 
I was talking to my wife about it and I was just like trying to wrap my head around it. Um, I'm super lucky, super blessed. And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with, you know, lots and lots of, of, of good, solid connections. And, but like that number had come down to almost less than 10% as well. And just like reading about like, reading about just how much people have drawn in over the last few years, just as, and to your point, you know, like their priorities have changed. The idea of what a big crowd means, the idea of how much time and energy it takes to make those connections have changed. And so lots of people are just like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to Netflix tonight or just whatever. And, and that uh, doesn't yeah. help. That doesn't help no. with their, their, it doesn't help them. Like it's so hard to go. Okay. Let me back up a second. There's a lot of effort to go into just taking a shower and getting dressed and getting out the door for some people. So it's easier for them now, even those that never did that before to say, I'm going to pass. Now, I love that they're setting their own boundaries and saying, "Mm, I don't want to do it tonight, but when they're doing it over and over again. So if you see that pattern in your historically strong friend, or even better yet, your historically not so strong friend, like they also might need you even more. But interestingly enough, studies show that those who suffered from depression and anxiety felt better during the pandemic because there were more people joining them in that party. So their strong friends got it. They could actually relate now for the first time. So it's, it's eye opening to me. And yeah, we've, we have now lived cheers to us through a global pandemic. Like, wow. You know, cause so many of us, so many, I, I, I lost eight people, eight people in three years. I went to eight memorial services in three years. And it was like, that's more than I have in my entire life. And then the dog, right? Which some people are like, I don't get the dog part, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's, she was, well, I'm not going to go back to that. But anyway, um, this is it. So now here we are, 2023. And a lot of people are suffering from self-esteem self-confidence issues. And they're like, I don't know how to show up anymore. So this kind of circles back to what you just said, Dan, is it's easier to sit back and watch Netflix. I have not binged more than I have like last year. 2022 (laughs) was worse than 20 and 21. So I get it. I get it. We need to take little baby steps towards achieving tasks towards whatever goal you want to do. So how do you do that? In a, in a, in a learning and development and leadership perspective, right? we talk about self-esteem, we talk about self-confidence. Like, What are some of the things that we should be thinking about from an important standpoint to create? Uh, first of all, like, why is it important to have that safe environment? right? Or how do we empower people within that environment? And then... Uh, and what are the benefits of it, right? So if I'm a, for example, I'm, if I'm a facilitator, right, why is it important for me to recognize where there might be opportunities in self-esteem? If I'm a designer, what are some things that I can consider to ensure that I create that, self, that safe environment, whether I'm going through something by myself or in, in a group environment where, um, where I can participate and I can grow? Does that make sense? It does. It's hard to evaluate. So it depends on how 
what type of team you're coming in to train or design a program for. So if you know your audience, that's kind of the best type of training, right? As you you all know, if you know your audience, you know you can co-create and customize a program for them. But how do you know if they have strong self-esteem and confidence? You don't. You don't. So that's a tough one because a lot of self-esteem it really stems from experiences in childhood, or it could be their first job where a manager micromanaged and told them they weren't good enough or whatever it may be. Self-esteem is driven by comments and behavior like that, that they were, that people, individuals are exposed to. So it could be an unhealthy relationship with a manager that early on. So you don't know that, but I think how to, how to improve it I guess you would ask people, what are their strengths? And if they said, well, I'm good at cleaning the house now, (laughs) you'd be like, well, how does that really (laughs) apply to the work world? So I think any good facilitator should try to get to know their audience by asking certain questions up front. So like that, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What areas do you need improvement? And if you're working directly with an HR person, they should know overall why they're bringing you in to train, right? So, but in during the facilitation, you start to pick up on people who have low self-esteem. Because they're not, they're not necessarily, or self-confidence. They're not really willing to help others in the group. They're like not risk takers. They're, they're worried about the areas that they're not strong in. Not, it's not like the glass half full would be, they're focusing on their strength. They're challenging their negative thinking, but instead they're just like, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I just had a thought and I, I want to ask, and I don't, I don't know if this is a thing, but you might. Have you ever worked someplace that's done like an esteem and confidence index survey? Like just as we're talking, I, I, I thought to myself like, man, like I've never been someplace that's asked me what my values of self-worth or, or like me- tried to measure my self-confidence is. But as a, as a leader wanting to understand the health of my business and the people within it, that's a valuable metric to have. It's especially now. I think it's a, it would be incredible yeah. for leaders to bring an assessment in. And I actually have, I have a couple different types. I have nine, 10 different assessments that I can administer in an organization. And, um, one of them is this, it's a simple values assessment that I actually start every coaching relationship with is let's figure out what your core values are because that drives everything that you do. And when your values are compromised, that's when we tend to react versus respond to a situation. And when you know what those core values are and you know how you live and breathe and function based on those core values, you learn how to intake information, pause for a moment, pinpoint what is being triggered, and then pivot your thoughts so that you can respond the way that you had hoped for. How many times have we said, oh, darn it, why did I, why did I react that way? I wish I wouldn't have done that. You can't take that back. 
You can't take the words back. You can't reverse it. You can't take back the way that you left someone to feel. So it's better if we just took a moment. And I've been saying this, I've already said it a couple of times here. My pause, pinpoint, and pivot is my three P's. It's as important as stop, drop, and roll. It's as important to the worldwide well-being as stop, drop, and roll. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. Like if we all just pause, pinpoint what's happening with our emotions, and now pivot how we respond versus react, it is going to change the way that people function with one another, the way that they interact. In the grocery store, my son's always like, why do you talk to everyone? I go, what if no one else talked to that person today? What if I'm the only person who complimented their shoes or their hat or whatever? And I'm not over the top. It's all natural. It comes natural to me. But it's awkward for a 12-year-old boy who's like, why are you talking? Why are you bringing attention to me from strangers? <laughs> so I think- You know, I, that's- Go ahead. Ooh, I was going to say, that, that's awesome to hear because I have, I have the nice hat, nice shirt rule and when I'm out in public, if I see a shirt or a hat that somebody's got on that's cool, I'm like, oh, hey, nice hat, nice shirt. And like, uh, I can always see the difference it makes, like in somebody's day. Like, I'll be walking by and I'll be like, oh, hey, nice hat. And I can't tell you just how many like valuable and great conversations have come up. And it's just a little thing. So hearing you talk about that, I'm like, yes, I'm not and the doesn't only one. it? So, <laughs> look what that does. It's such a simple gesture. And I've, I want to say every single leader I've ever worked ever worked with, I said, "Have you? Do you ever stop and just compliment or thank a person on your team? Like it's free; it doesn't even come out of your budget. It takes seconds." But back to your, you're going to the store. You have this. I love the shirt hat rule. So what does it do? You, the person's like, "Oh, I'm getting acknowledgement. Oh, they like my hat. Oh, let's talk about it." So, and don't you even you see their body language change? Their shoulders go back. They stand up a little taller. They smile. They might laugh. Their heart starts filling up with like all that good juju, and yours does too. And that's yep. not why I do it. I do it because it comes natural for me. But at the end of the day, I'm like, "Oh, that was fun." Like I, I, I met, you know, I have fun in that day and this, this is more needed for me than ever because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring us. And I know that's hardcore, but after all the loss and everything that's happened, you have no idea that it, whether I'm going to walk out today, look at the guy we just were talking earlier about the guy on the field. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. He's so young, 24 years old, right? Gets hit in the chest and his heart goes out. Like there, you, you just never know what's going to happen. And so you need, I always say this, there's, you're born on a date and you expire on a date. We were talking about this earlier, Scott and I were, and in between is your life to make. And each day, like I actually focus on one moment of one day at a time. It's not just one day at a time anymore. It's one moment of one day at a time. And I make that great. And, and whatever it means, whatever we have to do to have fun. I laugh. I laugh so much. I'm just like dance. I dance to whatever music I hear. I embarrass anybody who's with me because they're like, why are you dancing at Target? And I go, why not? Like, you know what? Tomorrow, we don't know. Why be so serious? Have fun. And you guys are fun. You, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> Well, well, I appreciate the fact that you think we're fun, and that was intentional on our part. You hit on something really important, really important, which I think is this idea of 
um, finding legitimate um, ways to praise your people. Like we, we live in a society, we were raised in a society where we focus on the negative all the time. Like yes. it's so easy to find something wrong. Like there's something wrong and there's something wrong. And we even live in a society now where <laughs> social media is, is training us to do that. Like finger pointing, you're a per horrible person because <sighs> whatever, whatever reason that might be. Um, and it's, it's, it's awful. But from an engagement perspective, Gallup will tell us that you need to, and this is a simple rule, and I challenge all my people this rule, once every seven days, so it's once a week, find something legitimately, relevantly nice to say to somebody and watch their performance. And I will tell you that my experience when I do that is I get way better performance, right? And then for me... Like I'll jump through hoops of fire if you tell me I'm doing a good job. And I know I'm not alone in that. Like this one simple thing you can do. And then a lot of people, a lot of my peers will be like, that's insane. Like that you're gonna what once a week? Are you are you kidding me? I'm like, no, it's super easy. I mean, once you get into the habit of it, it becomes really, really easy. And then it just becomes part of who you are. Yes. Um, same thing can be said um around the whole process, kind of jump backing into learning. Like how we show up, whether I'm in the class or whether I'm out of the class, right? How I show up affects how I learn. And that's why it's really important whether I'm facilitating and I can recognize where people are at and I can go ahead and make adjustments to help them to get to a place. Or if I'm designing for, um, say, a self-guided study, can we identify how someone is feeling before they get started, because I'm going to tell you what, if I'm having a crappy day and I show up to whatever this uh, online course is and I take the course and I pencil whip it through, I'm probably not going to remember anything. Mm -hmm. Can we design, and Dan, you could speak to this too, but uh, I have my employee actually found this out. I'm like, hey, can we, can we, hey, how are you feeling today? And if the answer is I'm feeling like crap, hey, you know what? Go take care of yourself and come back to this course of another day, which is fine. I mean, that's insane, right? Like who would ever do that? But it's totally fine. And if we're, if our objective, I'm preaching, I'm sorry, but if our objective is to really help people learn and get better and they're showing up and they're having a bad day, that's okay. Go have your bad day. Tomorrow's a new day and we can learn tomorrow. Thoughts? Dan, do you want to go? I, you, want to go? you go, Dan. I mean, I'm, I was going to jump in and say, Scott, you already know I 100% agree with that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody who's reported to me and I've looked at him and been like, hey, how you doing? And I'm having a real rough day and just been like, you should go home. Well, I'm not sick. That's fine. Go home. I'd, I'd rather have you here at your best than have you have you struggling through. Like, you know, brass tacks, you can talk about just the harm it could do to somebody's like, you know, perspective and stuff like that if they're there and they're just like grumbling through like that's how people pick up bad reputations like no just just go home like unless you're like lives depend upon like the amazing things you're gonna do it's better if you're just like hey i'm just gonna take a minute i'm gonna it take some time catch a breath don't don't kill yourself <laughs> the the litmus test i use is are you saving babies? And if you're not, go take care of yourself. Like nine yeah. times out of 10, we're not saving babies here, folks. We're not like, and if we're not, then it's, <laughs> and by the way, those people saving babies, 
hands off to you. I love you. You're doing a great job. Keep saving those babies. I get it. That's awesome. But for the most of us, it's it's not a it's not a thing. Um, I had I had a great uh, one-on-one end of the year review with my employee, and she's really struggling with um, a lack of process. So she's come to me in the last couple months, and she's really struggling with this like lack of lack of structure and process. And so I really set forth like expectations, like moving forward in 2023. Here's what I expect. And the number one thing that I told her was that your mental health and well-being was more important than anything. It was the most important thing because I could tell that she was kind of feeling beat up a little bit. Like, hey, this is the most important thing. And if you're not having a good day or if you're not in a great place and I know she's going through some stuff, then you let me know because we're not saving babies. And you let me know what you need from me and I'll take care of you so that you can do what you need to do to get done. Get to a better place, that is. No, I, I, I love that. I love that you do that and that you did that um, with that particular person um, recently because it's so important for leaders. And I say this, they're like, you know what, there's lacking engagement in the organization. We have high turnover. Well, why is that? So people say they leave organizations for another job that makes more money. And I call BS on that. Um, I've been in HR for three decades and I can probably tell you every single time that they said it was about the money. It wasn't about the money. It was about the relationship or lack of that they had with their direct supervisor or manager. And so if you really want connection and a community and a culture where people are feel like they're family, are they willing to do everything, you know, it takes to help each other out. And I've lived and breathed in an organization like that before. So I know what it feels like to be super successful and super connected. You need to get to know your staff. And how do you get to know your staff? You get to know them by asking questions and giving them an opportunity to share themselves, their whole selves with you. And I'm not saying every single thing in their personal life, but you need to know some things about them. So then when they're off, you can say, Scott, something doesn't seem right today. And I don't need to know the details, but you want to just go home and we can, you know what? I have Thursday. We'll just pick up where we left off. Here, I'll already put it on the calendar so you don't even have to worry about it. Go do your thing. So to Daniel's point, that's exactly what he's like. Go come back tomorrow. We don't have to deal with this today. Um, with meetings, with training, whatever it may be. But you need, And also leaders need to show up authentically so their staff gets to know them. Because if they get to know them, they actually are more comfortable sharing more of themselves. And the only way you can have that sense of community and connection is if you know each other outside of their work responsibilities. Boom. I love that. Bam. I can't tell you how many times. I know. I can't tell you how many times I've told new leaders or like I've I've done like mentoring sessions and I've said, put some skin in the game. Like, You know, we have so many people who are like, oh, hey, make sure you've got this like divide. You have to build this chasm between you and those who you lead. And like, that's like, that's a, not only is that a recipe for not success, but that's a recipe to make a leader very lonely and sour. Yes. Like, oh, oh, it's no, so old agree. school. It's so old I school. I know. It's the 80s and the 90s. And it was like, we need to be like, we need to be, you know, these powerhouse executive leaders and let's just hide information from them. And it's like such BS, you know what I mean? Like just be it's, you, be yeah. show up as a human. 
We're human. So Jocko Willink um, is one of the guys I follow, um, not to promote him too much because he's doing great, right? But he talked about in one of his books, like there's, there is something to be said about making sure that there is this divide between how close I get to my people and my and where I'm in in leadership, right? And so sometimes we as leaders are taught, well, there's this fence, right? And so on one side of the fence is where your employees are, and then all the leaders were kind of over here on this side of the fence. Um, and there's some practicality to that, right? So there's some things that maybe I don't, I don't, I'm not going to want to talk to my employees about just yet or whatever. But what Jocko talked about is like it's not a it's not a white picket fence. It's a chain link fence. Yes. Right. So get right up to the fence and say, hey, come here, talk to me. Right. And I think that's a really healthy way of looking at it, because I've been on the other side where I've made that mistake. I've gotten too close to my employees. Right. So you get and there's a, there's a risk in that leadership to get too close to your employees, because then it's a little harder to lead when you have to at some point in time. But you put up the chain link fence right there. Right. And I think that that was a really nice analogy really clicked with me. I have a question for you. We talk about self-esteem. We talk about self-confidence. Can, can you teach that? Like, let's say I'm struggling with that. What can I do to get better at that? Or do I have to just go, on, go in and out on my own and kind of get through it on my own? Oh, no, 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 no. So um, there are certified confidence coaches. I happen to be one. And there are... There are techniques and processes of understanding who you are at the core, why certain things bother you or limit you. And I like to say this, like what ticks you off and what makes you tick? Learning what those things are and being totally honest with yourself. So it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not one session. It's not a one hour webinar. It takes some time to really drill down. And what coaches do is they help you move forward with what you want out of life. Therapists drill down deep into what the core was and see if there's a psychological problem there. But coaches also need to understand like maybe something that happened in the past and then teach you how to move forward beyond that. So yes, it can be taught. There are techniques. There are certain things that tools that I use that my clients have just stopped and like, Oh my goodness. I just figured this out. That's their aha moment. And I have to tell you, that's my most rewarding times in my life. Like money's money, but having like some changing, actually having someone's light bulb go off and them say, Oh my God, I just figured it out. I've been struggling with this for 22 years. And I didn't even know what it was. This is incredible. That is my reward. So yes, it can be taught. It most certainly can be taught. And I was thinking back on your question about evaluating, assessing people's self-esteem before you go, like in an organization or before you go into a training program. And I think it would come down to setting, you know how when you do a facilitated training and you set ground rules? So it might be, like one of our ground rules is we're going to stop beating ourselves up about the mistakes we made. 
So everyone makes mistakes. It's okay to do that. So in this course, we're going to make mistakes. We might piss each other off, blah, blah, blah. And that right there is teaching that person that it's okay to do that. That's one little tiny, you know, you've planted a seed and now we're going to start watering it to build their self-esteem. So things like that, you could definitely ask and put into ground rules, or you could do a pre-assessment. You could do a pre-assessment before any course. We could do, go into organizations and assess the whole organization on, you could ask, you could customize anything for any company, really. Would you, I think it was Big Bird that sung that song, right? Everyone Makes Mistakes. I don't Did know. I just I date myself? This. I totally dated myself. Do you, do you remember that song, Dan? Everybody, I, I know Big Bird. I'm going to put it at the end of the show, everybody. 30 okay. seconds, everybody makes mistakes. I, I won't sing it. I won't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> but I, I, it went right through my head as you were talking about it. Like, oh, everybody makes mistakes. And then I just thought, thought of Big Bird telling me that, yeah, we, we do, which is, which is great. And, and I think mistakes are fantastic opportunities for, for us to learn. And, and um, you know, setting that ground rule, especially in a, in a facilitated class of, hey, you know what? It's okay to make mistakes because we're going to, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, didn't learn from it. We're all here to learn. I think that's great. Well, that's the only way, in my opinion, the only way to really advance an organization, advance an individual's just skill level is to learn from that mistake, and but not even see it as that. So I encourage organizations to allow for error. Now, obviously it's the leader's um, role to make sure the error isn't too expensive. So I always say, here's the, here's the end result. Here's where we're beginning. Meet with them throughout the process for regular one-on-ones asking, coaching them along the way to get to that end result, but peer in every once in a while and look at it from, to see if where you can intercept so you can avoid any huge financial errors but you have to take risks and people with low self-esteem won't, they don't, they won't even try. So then how are they going to learn? We're getting close to that time in the show where we're going to start to wrap some things up. Is there anything that you really wanted to share with us today that you haven't had the opportunity to talk about yet? I think individuals listening, it would really benefit you to know that you can do more. If you really want to, you want to change your life, you want to do something differently. Whether you were told this or not, my mother told me I could do anything I set my mind to, and I have proven that to be true in my career, in my life. So if you have this dream and you just think, well, it's not in my cards, I'm not capable, I'm going to challenge you because I truly do believe you're capable. You just might not be hanging around with the right people yet. And so you can do it if you want to. And again, life is short. Remember, we're born on a date, we expire on a date, and that space in between is yours to make. Make it your best life because you don't get another chance. This is it. This is it in this form. And if you're not enjoying it, I'm just going to say it's your fault. You're going to you can make changes. Uncomfortable or not, changes can be made. <laughs> Jeannie, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you being on. Hey, do us a favor. Could you let our audience know some of the groovy stuff you're doing and how they can get in contact with you? 
Sure. So I'm actually, we have an open enrollment right now for my Sure Do It. It's a confidence and self-esteem course, and it's a group, it's a group coaching program. So it's 10 weeks and uh, open enrollment right now. If you, we're, there's gonna be eight to 10 people in this, this session, but then if you were, if you didn't make that cut, you can always go on the next one. And um, you can reach me. That's probably the, the, the newest program is out right now. So um, you can reach me at my, on my website. It's www, as we know, <laughs> dynamism, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S-M, leadership.com. And in there, if you go to the programs page, you can go to the application um, to be considered for the program. That is so fantastic. Thank you for taking your time today to share with us um, this really, really important topic, not just for our own personal well-being, but for getting maximum impact from a leadership and learning perspective. We really appreciate that. Daniel-san. Yes, Scott. Could you do us a solid and let everybody know how they can get in touch with us? Sure thing. All right, party people. If you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Email us any questions, join in the conversation. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us kind of what your confidence is. We really want to know. If you're on Facebook, hit us at Learning Nerds for all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and our updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott? Okay, this is where we're going to go ahead and set you up for success. I'm going to do a quick 30-second um, out, and then we're going to go around the horn. I'm just going to say, I'm Scott, I'm Dan, and then you go, I'm Jeannie, and then uh, and we're your fabulous learning nerds, and then that'll be the end of the show. What questions do you have before I get that started? Thanks, Dan. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Could you go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this with your friends and some really great information, especially on how we can be more self-confident, have greater self-esteem. Um, if you feel like it, I would really, 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 really love it if you could leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing because it helps us get more of this information out to more people. We'd really love that if you could do that. With that being said, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. And I'm Jeannie. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. I've a special secret children ought to know. It's about the little mistakes you make as you begin to grow. If you make a mistake, you shouldn't start to cry. Mistakes are not so bad, and here is why. Oh, everyone makes mistakes, so yes, they do. Your sister and your brother and your dad and mother too. Big people, small people, matter of fact, all people. Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.